Hey, it's producer Michael Miracle here with a quick word of thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. It's folks like you who make this workplace movement work. That's why we strive to highlight great authors and experts who bring phenomenal insight on how to bring Jesus into your workplace. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers, and together we'll make the I Work For Him mission a success. Thanks again for listening. Let's start the podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You know, as we broadcast around the world today on Let's Talk faith.com also iHeartRadio, right here in tampa bay on am 570 and 910 but we're looking to expand across the nation and that's why we're reaching out to you on itunes google play and stitcher however you're hearing the show today just know before the show launched before we started the show we prayed for you we prayed that something we would say today would cause you to dig deeper into your faith and to connect in what you hear on sunday and what you do in your nine to five and today's topic it's probably going to, I don't know, it's probably going to grate on you a little bit. You may feel a little, I don't know, guilty, but maybe convicted a little bit. Today, we're talking about work-life balance and being in search of work-life balance. You know, In Search of Work-Life Balance, it's the title of a book written by local author Russell Clayton. He's a professor at St. Leo University. And, and he wrote this book. Well, I'll let him tell you why. But here's the question, as I read as I read this book, and I've read a couple of other books on work-life balance, what I loved about this book was his transparency as he was like, hey, is this even possible? Is there really such a thing as work-life balance? Can we really achieve it? What does it look like if we were to achieve it? Well, today, we're going to talk with this millennial author as we follow him in his search to finding a faith-based balance for work, life, work and life, Russell Clayton, found online at russellclayton.net. Welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, Jim, thanks for having me today. I'm here to step on a few toes, hopefully not too hard, but hopefully to encourage as well. Um, Listen and- to you, just come right <laughs> out with it. So you're going to throw down the gauntlet right there. L- let's be transparent, right? Yeah, let's just <laughs> step on toes. Hey, that's my job on this show. All okay. Right. But, it, but it is true. This is a topic that people, they hear this work-life balance, uh, find your balance. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know that that really works. But you wrote a book. Why did you write this book? All right. So I've been studying this about 10 years um, as part of my job as a professor. So I've been doing a lot of research. Um, I've also struggled with work-life balance. So there, I'm I'm stepping on my own toes with writing this book. I think everybody listening has struggled with work-life balance. Right. right. It's it's fairly universal. Uh, We deal with it. If, If you are working, even if you're not working, if you're volunteering somewhere, and that's still competing with life with family that's happening lots of people are dealing with it that's why i wanted to write it for myself and for others well it's a good book i appreciate that thank you and it comes gets in your face i I underline a lot of stuff which i wrote a lot of questions which we won't get through them all but I, i it's it asks the questions that need to be asked all right so let's head back take a step back for a couple of minutes you know i i let's just have people hear your heart in the lord i love seeing how the Lord gets involved in the intimate details of other people's lives. I've seen him get involved in the intimate, small, little, finite details of my own life. How have you noticed recently the Lord getting involved in those finite, intimate details in your life? That's a great question. And I believe this interview that we're doing right now has has fallen at a, at a, at a pretty neat time in, in my family's life. Um, for my wife and I being married 11 years. Awesome. Uh, Congratulations. We, th- thank you. We... Um, we have never been a dual career 
family, meaning only one of us has been working at any one time. Uh, that changed two weeks ago. Uh, my wife decided to dun, dun, dun. Uh, to go back to work. She's passionate about teaching a lot like me. Um, and she's teaching middle school, high school? She teaches high school English. Oh, so that's she, right. We had that conversation. I got just just for the clarification. We had Russell and his wife Alicia over. They were on vacation in Indian Rocks Beach, and and I I don't know how I I just was texting him about the show, and he goes, "Hey, we're in Indian Rocks Beach. Don't you live there?" I'm like, "Yeah." He was two blocks away, and so I said, "Well, you want to be on the show? I got to meet you and your I got to meet your wife." Really, what I wanted to meet. I knew. It was oh good. yeah, she's she's yeah she's awesome. Um, and I told her how horrible I was at English and how my middle school. You know, English teacher, she just about ended my career for anything. And just because of that, she almost didn't let me come on the show. Oh, really? Yeah, no, no. Because <laughs> of my grammar. <laughs> right, right. Um, but but anyway, yeah, Alicia decided to go back to work, uh, which is awesome. She's passionate about teaching. She hits home runs every day in the classroom. But it means it's the first time that we've been a dual career couple. Um, the past two weeks, we have both, as as educators, you know, school is is ramping back up. So we've both been in all these meetings, all the do this, don't do that kind of meetings that teachers and uh, professors go through every year. Compounding that is that both of our girls, our, our, our girls, two and five, um, are in school now, or, or we're going back to school. My, my five-year-old went to kindergarten for the first time today. Uh, so to, to answer your question, that was the buildup, I guess, to answer your question, uh, over the past week and a half, two weeks, God has really orchestrated our busy schedule uh, with basically making time in there for us to be able to attend. For example, uh, I've had a week full of meetings, but there was a small gap yesterday that happened to coincide with kindergarten orientation with my five-year-old. That was perfect. That was awesome. I was in meetings until 7.30 last night, but God made it so that from 8.30 to 10.30 yesterday, there was that space in the schedule. I didn't have to create that space. I didn't have to go and lobby for it. It was there. I thought that was incredible. And, and it was the same thing last week with my two-year-old going to her preschool uh, that we had a, a, an orientation day for, for mommies and daddies. And it just so happened that there was that blank spot in my schedule. Alicia thought she was going to have to work. She got an email the night before that said, hey, guess what? You don't have to attend this meeting because you did a training earlier in the summer. So you're off the hook from what I think it was from eight to 10 or, or something like that. I believe that was God orchestrating those little details for us. I love that. And, and that's, it's really important. It's just, I mean, it's off the subject of work-life balance, but it's really not. We need to understand that God really does care about those small details of our lives. And if we will let him, he'll speak into those small spots. Exactly. I mean, and I see that. Okay, so you're a husband of 11 years, as you just said, father of two young ladies, five and two, Mm -hmm. a professor at St. Leo University right here in Tampa Bay, as well as other roles within your Four Walls Church. You got it. What are those roles? I mean, you do you pulpit fill every once in a while? (laughs) So, so I I'm a drummer. Also, I've been drumming since I was six years old. My parents grew up, you know. The, you know, all through my childhood, banging on drums, banging on everything in the house. So you have um, saints for parents. Exactly, exactly. Um, they were very encouraging. Uh, so I I drum about two or three Sundays. Okay. Uh, each each month at our church for the for the worship team. Um, my wife works in the childcare area at our church. Um, uh, kind of helping run the systems and get new parents. Uh, basically making them feel comfortable when they drop off their toddler for the first time. If they're visiting our church, uh, 
Um, but doesn't all of those things that you're involved, they don't let you pulpit, Phil? I mean, you no. wrote this book. They've never let you talk about work-life balance. They um, haven't. They haven't. Have you asked the senior pastor of your church to say, hey, you know, I wrote this book. I'm going to give him the podcast of this episode okay. and let that right. be the Very good. Well, pastor, kind of the passive-aggressive pastor, way. I'd, I'd like to have you consider, Russell, being able to be preaching about this because this is something everybody needs to deal with. Well, yeah. and one thing we're going to do with our church, uh, our four-wall church, is um, we're going to use the book in a small group format nice. this fall. Um, where we, one Sunday a month, we go over the content. Another Sunday a month, we're breaking them into small groups of three couples. They're going to have dinner together, share about what God's doing in their life. So That's it's, it's going to be awesome. All right. So all of those things, though, you just said, okay, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a professor at St. Leo University, and you're a drummer, and you're a greeter. Don't all of those things combine to really make it so that you have work-life imbalance? You would think so. Um, there, we we have a lot on our plate, and it's it is a daily and weekly um, task for us to make sure that we don't let all of these things, all this stuff, get in the way of raising our two girls and of uh, Alicia and I uh, being in husband being husband and wife. Um, so we really have to be conscious about it. Um, you know, being being the work life balance guy, having written the book and written articles and all these academic sure. journals, you know, it's it really means that I have to consciously practice what I preach. <laughs> yeah, it puts you on the spot for sure. All right, we're talking with Professor Russell Clayton from St. Leo University. Russell, what do you teach? I teach men uh, business, uh, more specific, uh, specifically management, uh, and more specifically, I deal with uh, human behavior. So how people act at work, do they enjoy their work? Are they motivated? Why do people get motivated? Is it money? Is it intrinsic motivation? Uh, so I deal a lot with, uh, we like to call it pop psychology. Wow. Well, we got to talk about that off there. Okay. All right. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Your book, it, it's in search of work-life balance. Like it's not been necessarily found. Is work-life balance really a thing? The term balance, you know, that's going to, that, that, that tells us that something is 50, 50, uh, rarely if ever is work and life 50, 50 balance. So can you, can you find work life balance? Uh, Not exactly. Um, the best way to probably put it is to use something similar like work life integration, work life rhythm, something like that, that helps us to understand that it that it is achievable balance is it's honestly as i mentioned in the book it's not a great way to talk about it however it would be like me asking you to stop calling uh, a tissue a tissue and instead referring to it as a paper product for your nose it's just so in, it's it's so ingrained uh work-life balance is so ingrained in our in our vocabulary that's why i went with the title so what i want to say is I do believe work-life integration is achievable. Well, of course it's achievable because you're going to integrate into your life work and life. It's but you're talking about a healthy integration. Can we can we change that even further? Work life, a healthy work-life integration. I like that. A good qualifier there. Yeah, I like that because I mean we all integrate work into our lives, but it's not necessarily healthy. Exactly. I mean, there were times when my kids were growing up, I was working 60, 70 hours a week, and I was driving two hours each way to my job. Ouch. Ouch. That was not healthy. You got it. And it didn't last very long, but it did increase my prayer life. 
So I, I attribute, I work for him to that prayer time and that on my commute. Okay. So while you're writing this book, did you write this book for your dissertation? I did not. I okay. wrote it for fun. See, this is the kind of people I bring on I work for and people that write books on work-life balance for fun. Okay. Seriously. Why did you write this book then? I, <laughs> really? Okay. You said that you were thinking about, you were studying it for a number of years. Right. All right. So I studied work-life balance. Okay. Uh, not from the biblical perspective, but just from just the standard perspective for 10 years. But why? Because your dad had a struggle with it. Your mom had a struggle with it. Alicia's mom or dad struggled with it. Your friends were struggling. Why? What What caught your attention? You're like, because you're, because you're, you're a millennial. So it's not like you're old and you've seen it for decades. But you could have seen it for a decade or two. I mean, when you're a teenager, you're not thinking about, well, I'm really concerned about people's work-life balance. Right. No, no, you're not thinking about anything. So, I mean, how did this get your attention? Sure. My my very first job out of college, my, my first big boy job, uh, I noticed that there were people- What were you doing? I was raising money for universities. Uh, so I was a professional beggar, essentially. Uh, I wasn't giving anything in return. I was just asking for money. I, I gave a tax break. I guess that's it for a sure. donation. Um, and I noticed that there were a lot of people who worked a lot of hours. I noticed that myself, I was in and out of airports about every other week. I was now at that time I was single, so it, it, it was, it was okay to an extent, but I, I got to thinking, you know, wow, here I am in Dallas, here I am in Atlanta, here I am in Houston, wherever I happen to be. And all my friends and my family are elsewhere and I'm out here all alone working and sleeping in a hotel and eating be, food with strangers right it's going to be two or three days before i'm back home my family life my my personal life my friends you know i didn't see them and so that started just kind of rumbling around in my mind i decided to go back to graduate school the answer to your question about the dissertation yes i, I wrote the dissertation on work-life balance so the foundation for the book was there uh, and I've been studying. But because I can understand this book, that's why it wasn't your dissertation, because this I can understand. A dissertation probably had a lot of five-syllable words in it. The dissertation is probably one of the most boring documents you can look. Side note about the dissertation, I gave it away as one of those uh, dirty Santa gifts, you know, where you bring something cheesy to exchange at Christmas time. I gave away a copy of my dissertation. So the guy that got it was pretty disappointed. <laughs> Oh my goodness! My brother wrote a dissertation for his doctorate, and I couldn't read the first page. Oh yeah, because it had Hebrew and Aramaic in it. And I'm like, I- I- I'm just not. Oh yeah, the, the, I'm not a smart man. The, the title of the dissertation is about half as long as this book. Man, okay, all right. So, is uh, let me just say, it, it did in all of your study. Did you find a direct correlation? in work-life imbalance, where it's where it's not in balance. Right. Did you find, find a direct correlation between the salary of someone and and as it increases, the the balance the imbalance increases? There that really doesn't exist. Money is not a really good predictor of no, work life imbalance. No, no so people that make more money because it seems like when people get bigger jobs, they get bigger raises, they work more. They do. They can also afford more, uh, you know, and, and we may or may not touch on some things such as outsourcing, um, which I talk about in the book. Someone who makes more money can afford to outsource 
more things and like mowing the lawn, shoveling the driveway, the you, snow. And, you got it, and they can pad their their private schedule got a little okay. bit. All right, so, so let's. That, st- yeah. I just wondered if you had found that to be a direct correlation because it seems like my friends who the more money they make, the more nuts so stinko their lives are. It's anecdotally, yeah, that makes sense. I but know you can't in a dissertation put something anecdotally. You, you got to actually tie it to statistics. You got it. You okay, got it. so is work life imbalance a sin? Is it a sin? I don't believe that work-life imbalance itself is a sin. And here's what I mean. I, I believe that the imbalance is a reflection of a, of, of a deeper issue, and that deeper issue is likely a sin. Um, there was a book written by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins, which I, I love. I would highly encourage anyone listening to read it. Um, and, and he talks about— <laughs> That's a great title respectable sense. I've not read that book. I have heard about it one other time, and then I heard about it when I read your book. But Yeah, and he talks about these sins such as selfishness and discontentment that are, that are sins that the Bible points out that are sins, but they're not those sins that we as, as a world, as a society, as a country point out as, oh, those are the bad sins. Uh, no one walks around and says, hey, Jim, how are you doing with your selfishness today? And I'm not likely to call you out about it like I would if I found out that you were doing something illegal. It's just something that we just kind of let slide. However, I believe that this selfishness, this discontentment, these respectable sins, these underlying issues can be manifested in work-life imbalance. We're talking today with Russell Clayton, who wrote this book called In Search of Work-Life Balance. I'd like to give you a copy. If you're struggling with this issue, if balancing properly, having a healthy work-life, well, we're going to talk, say integration, but a healthy work-life balance is something you're struggling with, I want to give you a copy of the book. You can email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iwork, the number four, him.com, or you can Phone calls right now while we're live on the air, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673, or go out to our website, iworkforhim.com, or message us on Facebook, I work for him. Okay, Russell. So you're saying work-life imbalance, not a sin. Correct. But a lot of times it's a symptom of true sinful behaviors. You got it. You got it. So Give an example of that in your life. Sure. For me, as a, as a professor, there are certain times a year that are busy, much like, say, a tax accountant has a busy season. Well, for a professor, I have a busy season, which is typically the front of the semester and the end of the semester. At the end of the semester, my work-life balance is pretty crummy. It's not because I'm selfish and I just want to stay in my office all night. It's because I have papers and final exams to grade. You can find out more about him, him and his book, In Search of Work-Life Balance, online at russellclayton.net. He's a professor right here in Tampa Bay at St. Leo University, but he is up for grabs across the nation. If you want a professor that actually understands real life, this guy can do it. He can connect faith and work. Oh, I'm just kidding. Those of you are listening at St. Leo, he's just a great guy, and I really love the book. In Search of Work-Life Balance by Russell Clayton, Ph.D. He's got a doctorate, something I'll never have. Russell, as you looked at this book, and you wrote this book, and you studied, you said you studied for 10 years, work-life imbalance. Right. Did that just freak you out, what I said about you looking for jobs across the country? Because I know you you didn't say that. I, just I, I was kind of thinking, do I, do I need to hide that from the St. Leo, <laughs> Leo community? Uh, no, but he will go speak anywhere in the country, but you he got likes that right. Florida. He loves Florida. Love Florida. Okay, so... 
We right before the break, we're talking about is work life imbalance a sin, and, we, and we're going to move past that. But that was a really great point to say that the work life imbalance isn't a sin, but a lot of times it's a symptom of some real sinful behaviors in our lives. So let's talk about the next question. What are the first steps that we can take towards achieving this work-life integration, a healthy work-life integration? I believe the first step, especially, uh, which is especially uh, imperative for a Christ follower, is to work on our what, what I call our spiritual well-being. Uh, in other words, our relationship with God. I believe that's, that's a non-negotiable. And, and as someone reads the book, they'll find out pretty quickly that everything I say after spiritual well-being is negotiable. You can work on this or that or the other, but the spiritual well-being, that's a non-negotiable. And I love that about your book. You know, the first chapter introducing the un- the topic, the where you're going to go with it, and you say, I don't care how much further you read in the book, except you have to read chapter two. You have to read about uh, spiritual well-being, a healthy spiritual well-being. you got to read that. Because nothing else matters more than that. And I love that. And I want to make sure people know it. You could call in and get a copy of the book today. Russell's graciously given us multiple copies to give away. 877-943-9673. 877-943-9673. Or if you're listening to a rebroadcast, email me. Please email me. I'll have extra copies. Jim at iworkforhim.com. Or just email me in the contact page on our website, iworkforhim.com. All right. So what does it look like? To have a healthy spiritual life, spiritual well-being. When, when our well-being is, our spiritual well-being is, I'm going to time get this out, is healthy, what's that look like? Sure. I, for, for me, what it looks like is spending time with God. And I, I know that's very churchy language, but I believe it, it is relevant to this topic. You know, if, if I'm not spending time with God, and I've been guilty of that, uh, I certainly have, when I'm not, I'm not as in tune to what God wants for my life. I'm more in tune to what Russell wants for his life. Um, so, for, Or the two girls or your wife. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, somebody else other than than God. I find that when I'm spending time uh, with God, I, I, I'm praying, you know, I'm praying uh, throughout the day constantly. And I do that. I, I love as I'm walking across campus uh, to pray. When I am spending time reading the Bible, uh, I've got a, a, we were talking about Tim Keller books earlier today. I've got a Keller devotional book uh, from the Psalms uh, that he co-wrote with his wife. Uh, I, I love reading that uh, in the morning to kind of set my my day up uh, with God. When I'm not doing those things, I am more likely to pursue something that is going to take away from, among other things, my relationship with my family. So that's to, to me, that's the connection. Uh, so what does that look like for for your listeners, for the readers of the book, for, for for people in general, there's not one single way. I'm not going to tell you that you you got to get up at 5:30 in the morning and and read this book or that book or another one. But what I am going to say is, you do need to start the day with God. You do need to pray throughout the day. Don't don't start at eight o'clock with God, and by 8:10, you know it's everybody else. Now, you and Alicia are now sending the girls off to school. It's gotten busy. Mornings are crazy. Do you guys get time to pray together before you start your day, before the girls get out of bed and before the craziness multiplies exponentially? We're working on that. That is actually something we've got to sit down and plan out. We're we're both planners. Uh, this week, now that both girls are officially, and in fact today, 
now that both girls are officially in school, we have to now sit down and kind of massage what our mornings look like. Uh, that means for us, we're going to be getting up a little bit earlier so that we can get up ahead of the girls. So there's that few minutes of quiet before, uh, you know, before a two-year-old and a five-year-old are running down the halls. So that's something that, you know, that's a great question. We've got to have that talk in the coming days. Well, if you want your marriage to be spiritually well, right, you got to incorporate prayer. Right. And it's got to be together and separate. I mean, you both need to right. be having a, an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. But if you want to really search and, and find work-life integration, healthy work-life integration, it's got to start with prayer and you got to do it together. Yeah. Do you guys pray together as a family with the girls? We do. We uh, we did a book with our, our our connect group, our small group last year. Uh, oh, and and it, the oh family worship. That's the name. That's sim- the simple title. Family worship. I can see and, why you struggle with trying to figure out what the name. Right, was. right. Um, and so we we um, were getting to this point where at least three, four times a week we were having this corporate family worship time cool. around our table. That dwindled a little bit over the summer. Uh, based on our schedule, just kind of fluctuating a little bit, taking trips here and there. Uh, but that is a really cool time that we have had in the past and that we need to start back up now that the school year is upon us. Uh, there, We've got a small book that is uh, roughly at the five-year-old's um, you know, uh, uh, comprehension ability uh, that, that's biblically based. We do a song. They're really good at our church about doing songs with um, with our uh, children and so we pull those songs up on YouTube and sing a song. They're pretty poppy and upbeat, and we sing that song and and then we pray. And a lot of times, my five year old wants to pray for something like uh, her stuffed animal uh, or, or or something else. But it's the idea that we're instilling the, these values, sure. uh, this behavior. And it is when you look at it's creating behaviors but showing how real to your girls how real god is to you right uh, and that quiet time with kids is powerful it really is yeah. and that prayer time with your wife it'll change your marriage it, it will re- it really will and getting signed up for that cruise your way to a better marriage retreat there sponsored you by go i work for him there That'd you be a go great one and if you'd like to get a copy of russell's book in search of work-life balance work-life balance this thing we're talking about today call the studio line 877-943-9673 i've got a lot of copies to give away today i want people to know Hey, call in. We'll give you a copy. It's fantastic. I love the book. It is written so that you and I can actually understand it. Now, after you focus on the spirit, a healthy spiritual well-being, you go into some other categories to give people an idea of what is this, what are some, what does it look like? And your first one was like priorities. You started with priorities. Mm-hmm. But what's a priority for me and what's a priority for you and what's a priority for God, those things may all look very different. Right. How do you determine what are God's priorities for our lives and so that we don't get out of balance? Sure. Uh, you know, for, for me, the the idea of uh, kind of back to what we talked about, the spiritual well-being, being connected with God, that helps me understand what is his priorities. There have been several opportunities uh, without going into specifics presented to me uh, from from work and non-work perspectives, opportunities that would have uh, perhaps paid me more, opportunities that would have uh, maybe been a more prestigious title or, or something to that effect. 
than uh, a more prestigious title than Doctor Russell Clayton. It would have been like, like Doctor Super Extraordinaire. Doctor? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't know they had those titles available. Well, if you make it up for fifteen you can bucks, you probably get any title you, you want. You got it. Okay, sorry. I didn't... Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but it's it's being in tune to what God has for my life, for our life as a family. That said, all right, that on paper, that's a, that's an excellent opportunity. That's an excellent idea. And the world probably says, hey, go after that. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Get that. But God was saying, hey, just stay where you are. Stay right there. Uh, and, and I don't know if staying, quote, right there is just for now, if it's forever. Uh, but but don't chase after that opportunity. And that's really where you tied then into selfishness and how selfishness really impacts your family. It, how does that all work? Because selfishness, if, if you as a spiritual leader of the household are selfish, how much progress are you going to make towards work-life balance? Exactly. You know, if 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 I'm if I'm so selfish and preoccupied with this idea, uh, say in my industry, you know, every industry has sort of this pecking order. If I wanted to go teach at Harvard uh, or some Ivy League school, that would require a huge amount of selfishness on my part. Uh, I wouldn't have the family life that I have now. I wouldn't have the, the roles at my church that I have now. I wouldn't have the friends that I have now if I were that selfish to try to achieve teaching at a at an Ivy League school. No, because people would think you're a jerk, and they'd say, but you're neglecting your family while you're doing all those things. They're like, what kind of a jerk are you? Bingo. I mean, that's that's what this work-life balance is all about. What does your life look like to, the, to those around you? As Christ followers, we're the light to the community. We are supposed to be the example. If your work life is out of balance, you got to fix it. Most of us allow our lives to just get stinking crazy out of control. And we tend to neglect certain parts of our well-being and our work and our life get imbalanced. Not that I think work-life can be perfectly balanced. Can it, Russell? Cannot be perfectly balanced. But it can be more healthily healthily integrated. <laughs> you can find that rhythm. I find that rhythm. I like that. He laughed at my fake word. I get that. Hey, you know, as you tune into our work for him today, in case you're just tuning in right now, we've always got the podcast out there on our website. We always have the archive of the full show out there. Don't stress. Just go back out and look at it. I challenge you. We, every show we've ever done is out there on our website. I work for him. I work for him dot com. All right. So you also have other chapters that you deal with spiritual well-being. Then you deal with the selfishness, a little bit of selfishness in there. Exercise. You're saying that exercise can help with work-life integration, healthy work-life integration. It can. So let, let me start. Very broad, and then let's narrow it down. No, just tell me in your life. <laughs> no, tell me in your life, how did this help? In my life, how does it help? When I'm exercising, I am more confident. It it Exercise creates confidence. It creates what we call self-efficacy. When I am confident, I'm better able to handle challenges, whether it's a work challenge, whether it's trying to, um, to, to deal with uh, a challenging issue with my children. No matter the challenge, exercise creates this confidence in us that's where that's the linkage between the exercise the work-life balance and it also when we exercise we eat less we eat different we have cravings for different things and it does it just it eliminates stress sure i mean it's amazing i wish i could exercise more often okay so but you're saying that's a key that that's is, one of the, it's a key thing that so is what do you key. do to exercise on a regular basis so for me um i i used to run I used to run long distance. I've completed a couple of marathons. Way to go. You're looking at my belly right now. I'm not a marathon runner right now. That was in a, a, a that was when we had one child. Now that we have two, life is a little different for me. 
I go to exercise classes. There's a local gym where I go uh, up in Lando Lakes where we are, and they they put me through a circuit, me and, and the other attendees, for about 30 minutes. I need someone in this stage of life to say, do 10 of those, do 20 of those. Hey, stop slacking. So for me, that's what I need, and it works perfect. Alicia can't do that for you? She could. I might be less receptive to her yelling at me to do 10 push-ups. So. <laughs> well said. Hey, that was an honest answer right here on I Work For Him as we talk with Russell Clayton about his book, Work-Life Balance. Get a copy, 877-943-9673. All right. I think one of your meatiest chapters after this healthy spiritual well-being is this time management one. Because managing time, I mean, seriously, here's what I wrote for the question. I love this. All right. You got a chapter on time management. Seems like an obvious choice, but I believe time management is an oxymoron kind mm-hmm. of phrase. All mm-hmm. right. Time management. You can't manage time. It marches on without regard to position. Doesn't matter if you're the president, the emperor, or a professor at St. Leo University or a radio talk show, time marches on. Right. But here on the air, it marches faster. How does a Christ follower approach time management differently than the world? Sure. You're exactly right. We have 24 hours. It's coming and going no matter what we do. One, if as a Christ follower, I say I'm spending time in the morning uh, praying, reading the Bible, reading a devotional, what, whatever the case is to work on my spiritual well-being. Is that taking up time? Yes, that's taking up time that I could have been doing something else. However, that is an investment. So think of time and uh, what am I investing if I'm investing in 10 minutes of prayer, that's setting up my day for a better work-life balance because I have been in con- in connected with God. You said a couple of really controversial things in that chapter. It was your most controversial chapter, I think, yeah, personally. It is. It is. That, along with career management, steps on some toes. Well, we're going to get on that one in a second. All right. But you say pray about your time. Pray about your time. Yeah. What What would God want me to do with my 10 hours or whatever the given time is that we have. You know, it could be that God wants me to put off X so that I can do Y. It could be that God wants me to sit down and be still for a few minutes, recharge, pray about what we should do with our time. And I know that even among Christ followers, that could sound a little bit hokey or fluffy, but, but I believe it, you know. Well, we talked at the beginning of the yeah. show that God loves to get involved in the intimate details yeah. of our lives. Why wouldn't you want to get involved in how we spend the time we have? Sure. Because we, we're limited. Our days are limited. Sure. And I've prayed for much more ridiculous things like a parking space at the mall. Why wouldn't I pray and Wait, say— You just said you needed to exercise. Now you're praying about parking spaces at the mall? I don't want to exercise while I'm going to the mall. I want to walk just a few steps. All right. You also say in this chapter on time management— Stop multitasking. Yes. Stop multitasking. The research tells us. Michael, did you hear him? Stop multitasking. It's in the book. Do one thing at a time. The research tells us that we are much, much less efficient when we multitask. And just like work-life balance is a terrible name for what we're talking about, multitasking is a pretty terrible name because very few of us humans are able to multitask. Most of us switch task so i check email for 30 seconds i i I work on the book for two minutes i respond to a phone call for 10 minutes i go back to the email i'm not multitasking i'm just switching i am not getting into a groove i am less efficient 
you know, writing this book was a great example. I did not multitask. My wife took the girls on a little mini trip to see her mom, and I spent five days in our bonus room not multitasking, not task switching. I spent five days writing. It was much more efficient that way. I don't way. know that I could sit still that long. All right. You say to ma- that we need to, as we're praying about this, but we really need to manage our interruptions and our distractions. What's your biggest distraction in your life? My biggest distraction when... Let's when, say during work hours. What's yeah, your biggest sure, distraction? Sure. The, the, the biggest distraction during work hours is, is the drop-in visitor. Uh, now, as professors, we were supposed to have open door hours, and we do, and those are posted on the outside of our office, and we have a certain amount that we have to have each week. Um, but there are times when, despite the negative appearance of shutting the door, I shut the door because it allows me to have an hour, an hour and a half, two hours of uninterrupted time. Uh, I love the drop-in from the student, from coworkers. I love that human interaction. However, I also love being able to leave campus at 4.30 or 5 and go home to my family. Therefore, at 3 o'clock, I'm probably going to shut the door. You mentioned in that same chapter that we need to plan our family time, and I can't agree more with what you said, but for you and Alicia and the girls, how does planning your family time look? What, what does that look like? Sure. And, and I want to bring it back to an earlier point that we made off the air about the five love languages. Um, my wife is convinced that our five-year-old, that she enjoys time, the, the, the time. That's how she Quality knows that, time, we, yep. that we love her. We plan these little mini trips. It may be going to the children's museum it may be something as simple as taking them to get frozen yogurt, but we're we're pretty intentional about saying, okay, on Thursday evening, we are doing this. We also, um, based on this quality time, uh, we are pretty intentional about trying to do weekend trips, a little trip to, to Disney, a little trip to the beach. That helps us plan out. That's time that we have fewer interruptions. We're with the girls. You said one thing in the book that I would love to, it really should just be right in the cover. Hey, you really want to work, do a, provide a healthy work-life balance and work-life integration? Take a nap every afternoon. Yes. And I'm a big fan of the nap. You got to channel, channel your, your inner George Costanza and sleep under the desk or whatever it is to get in a little nap. Um, you know, unfortunately, the corporate world doesn't see the value in it. Um, their research tells us again the research tells us that we are much more effective and efficient if we take a little 10 minute or 20 minute recharge i want to finish up you also have a chapter in there about career management you said some really tough stuff in there really quick talk to me about career management and how that helps us with a healthy work-life integration sure career management is essentially this idea of you know you you've come to a decision hey i want to manage i want to uh, have a better work-life balance what can I do about my career? And what I uh, here's a good example of career management that I love. Um, uh, a friend of mine that I grew up with uh, saw a uh, thing that I posted on Facebook. And the, the, the little graphic I posted, I created, and it said that one of my goals is that my daughters know that they're more important to me than my job. Pretty simple. Sure. Okay. He saw that. And it convinced him to take a lateral move instead of a promotion. However, that lateral move also was considered 
a dead end, meaning he can't progress in the company. Sure, but, it's like a death pill. Right. But that lateral move gave him a 40-hour work week instead of a 60-hour work week. Dr. Russell Clayton from St. Leo University in search of work-life balance. Thanks for sharing your book with us today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Loved it. Hey, if you want to get a copy of this, just look for posts on Facebook, I Work For Him, or on our website, just email us, jim at iworkforhim.com, or our contact page. Listen, this is something we're all struggling with. It's something we all need to work on. Work-life integration, healthy work-life integration. Each one of us is struggling with this each and every day. You got to get a copy of this book. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, you know, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.